Hello and welcome to 4 for 4's The Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Brandon Niles. I'll be filling in as host for Anthony Stalter today since he and his wife just had their third child on Thursday. So congratulations to Anthony and his family. I'm joined by John Paulson. John, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I have a little bit of detail on the on the baby. Lincoln Stalter is the name. 8 pounds, 12 ounces. Uh, born yesterday, uh, 4.50 p.m., Mom and baby are both doing great, so congratulations to Anthony. How you doing, How you doing, Brandon? I guess you didn't just have a kid, so you're probably not doing as great or as tired as, as Anthony is. <laughs> yeah, I got a little more sleep. I've still got a three-year-old, so sleep is a, a little <laughs> bit rare in my house, but uh, not too bad. Huge congratulations to Anthony. That's just fantastic. And Lincoln Stalter, great quarterback name. We're going to have to draft Lincoln Stalter in about uh, 20 years now. Sounds right? good. <laughs> Uh, listeners, we've been telling you for a while about how you can get a free 4 for 4 subscription just for depositing $10 at Underdog or $20 to $35 at Prize Picks. To top it off, if you're a new FFPC user, you also get a $35 coupon to play in one of their leagues. For details, go to 4for4.com slash plans. All right, John, I, I was excited to step in today because we get to talk Packers, and you're my favorite person to talk Packers about. Uh, Aaron Rodgers... Uh, we'll just call it a fiasco. <laughs> uh, well, needless to say, we won't get too much into the whole vaccination and, and, and deception and aspect, but he's on the COVID list. He's tested positive. We are going to see Jordan Love. How does this impact the Packers offense and fantasy outlook for the game? Yeah, and I would say just to briefly summarize my thoughts on it, I lost a lot of respect because he did sort of lie about it. He was asked directly if he was vaccinated. He said, quote, yeah, I'm immunized and then moved on. And then the reporters there, I think, noted the word change, but didn't follow up. And one of them apologized. I think it was Jason Wild uh, was there and apologized for not following up and getting more detail on that. And there are people listening saying it's none of our business, and that's fine. Um, but it is our business right now because he is going to miss this week's game. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's putting his team in a pinch. And we're you know, looking at this Packers offense the when this happened when this dropped they were a pick em. i think the total was over 50 and once this information dropped the line moved seven and a half points to the chiefs so they're a seven and a half point favorite and the total dropped by about a touchdown so it has big fantasy implications because uh, we just don't know what jordan love is going to bring this week i have him ranked at qb 17 i'm actually pretty bullish relative to my peers in terms of the ranking but i think I would want to start him over uh, Teddy Bridgewater and Tyrod Taylor and those types of guys. Uh, Matt Ryan has a tough matchup with New Orleans, so um, those are the types of quarterbacks I would start him over if I had that opportunity to. And uh, we picked him up, uh, uh, Jen uh, Akins and I picked him up in the Hall of Fantasy League to start him in our Superflex since we have Rodgers uh, in that league. And you know we drafted him under the, under the assumption that he was uh, vaccinated. So the fact that he's not... Uh, led to this situation and we needed to uh you know get a get a quarterback for that spot uh obviously super flex you're going to want to start that second quarterback if you can i'm fairly bullish on him uh given his preseason play look sharp i think they'll keep things fairly simple more short passes than maybe i mean rogers throws some short passes but he takes some shots deep too and maybe love will as well but this is a nice matchup against the chiefs they're 29th and adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks um they're probably going to go run heavy and try to keep patrick mahomes off the field uh, even though the Chiefs aren't the, the Chiefs of the last few years in terms of the efficiency of their offense, they're still a scary offense to be playing against if you're a defense. So I'm I'm sure uh, Matt LaFleur is going to go with a run-heavy game plan, really feature Aaron Jones a lot as a short pass catcher and as a 
uh, ball carrier and then get A.J. Dillon some extra carries as well and try to control the ball and, uh, you know, just kind of move the ball down the field uh, deliberately and maybe not take as many uh, shots as he has in the past uh, with Rodgers. But uh, I think Devontae Adams is still a low-end, uh, mid-range uh, wide receiver one. Um, you should see a lot of targets in this offense. You, you know, Robert Tanyan's out, so that kind of funnels more targets probably to the receivers. Um, so I think in general, you're just kind of taking a step back, but this, there's, there still is the potential for a blow-up game from Love. I think he could still finish as a QB1 if, if, if he has forced to throw more than he wants. And I'm really interested to see now uh, how he fares, uh, you know, given the situation. He's got a few days to get ready and, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a primetime type matchup with the, with the Chiefs. It brings a little bit of that Konami code uh, element to it. I'm kind of excited about the Jordan Love era. I hope he comes out and looks like young Patrick Mahomes. That's what I hope. I'm rooting for that to happen. Yeah, he's uh, according to my – just I want to mention, you mentioned the Konami code. The my, I have a quarterback, rookie quarterback model that does a good job at predicting rushing yards, average rushing yards per game. It's like the mm-hmm. best that <laughs> – best stat that it does predict is rushing yards based on college stats and uh he's projected to, to rush for about 14 yards a game so that he does add a little bit of that element to his game nice i'm going off sheet here and i apologize for that but uh you mentioned robert tunyon is out for the season is there a tight end in green bay that we should even kind of raise an eye at or should we just ignore the situation uh, it's going to be tough because you have Mercedes Lewis, who is a really good blocker, and they will leak him out once in a while for a surprise catch. They like to use the element of surprise with Mercedes Lewis because he's not exactly a dynamic <laughs> receiver, uh, certainly at this point in his career. Um, so he's going to play a lot, especially if they're trying to run the ball because he's an excellent, excellent blocker, and they can they could could use play action and hit him here and there. Um, but you know, Josiah Deguara is the likely guy to take over most of Tanyan's routes where he, you know, would go up the seam, use his speed and get up the seam. Uh, Deguara looked pretty lost against the, the Cardinals. There was a couple of plays <laughs> where he just didn't know where he was supposed to be. I don't know if that is a reflection on his uh, overall ability to pick up a, a game plan or plays or if he just you know, was overwhelmed by the moment and it was a t- situation where he was thrown in and he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. Um, I have a feeling that over the last week he's learned a lot <laughs> about the offense and <laughs> what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, so I would expect him to play, but uh, more, and I think he might be a, a streamer type if you, if Rogers is healthy and playing, but I think with Jordan Love, there's just too much risk there at quarterback to be, to be running uh, Deguara out there. Sure, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm looking forward to the year 2050 when Tom Brady, Adrian Peterson, and Mercedes Lewis are still out there playing. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, maybe uh, they can bring uh, maybe they can bring Frank Gore back for, for that season. <laughs> He'll come out rush for 700 yards. That's how it works. Uh, let's continue with sad news this week. Uh, some of the sadder uh, news that I heard this week, and there was a lot of it in football. Uh, Derrick Henry uh, out for an indefinite amount of time we don't know for sure the season but at least close to the season if not the entire time uh Titans sign Adrian Peterson Deontay Foreman to the practice squad you got to think they'll elevate at least one of them on game day how do you expect this backfield to shake out with those two and also uh Jeremy McNichols mixed in yeah I also would feel the question I've been getting a lot of do I cut Derrick Henry and from what I saw the the time span is six to ten weeks but more likely eight to ten weeks and I think if it's eight weeks, you're putting him back potentially week 16, week 17. And um, so I would hold right now until that timeline is more narrowed, unless you can really get a good 
you know, people are just like, should I cut Derrick Henry? Well, who are you cutting him for? And how much are you spending, to, you know, on the person that you're trying to pick yeah. up? And, you know, like, there's a lot of things that factors at play. Um, and I would, I would hold if I can. Um, but if I'm desperate at running back and need a body, then I, that, then that's a situation where you need to put another stoke in the fire. I get a similar question about Calvin Ridley as well. And he's got some mental health, uh, time that he wants to take to get his affairs in order and like get things reset, I think for him. And, um, people are asking me if they would cut him as well. And this is even, this is not a, um, injury so much that he's going to be out for eight to 10 weeks, but it's an indefinite amount of time. Um, I'm a big Ridley fan. I think he was trending the right way in terms of targets and, and everything from a football standpoint. I think he's a fantastic route runner. Um, so I think that the, the future is bright for him if he does return to football. I don't know when it will be. So he's another player that for right now I'm holding just to wait and see uh, if he'll be available later in the season. It does sort of sound like it might be the end of the end of the season for him, but it also depends on how the Falcons are doing and if they can, you know, sort of get back into the the playoff hunt because they might just chalk it up to a lost season if if uh, they lose a few more games. So that's where sort of where I'm at with Henry and Ridley. And you asked about the backfield in Tennessee and you know once they ran out and signed Adrian Peterson everybody's like oh we got to go pick up Adrian Peterson but I wanted to look at the guy that they you know kept and has have had in the system um for the last couple years uh, and who's had a role this year uh, Jeremy McNichols has been the th- primary third down back he has not gotten many carries um, but that doesn't mean he's not capable. I look, you know, looking at his college career, 1,337 yards rushing in 2015 as a sophomore at Boise State. Uh, in 2016, 314 carries for 1,700 yards. Um, you know, 43 touchdowns in the final two. That's just rushing touchdowns in the Ooh. final two years at Boise State. He also, we also, we, we know he can catch the ball, but he had 460 yards as a sophomore, receiving 474 yards, receiving as a uh, junior. Uh, so, you know, just a big yardage, big touchdown guy in college and, oh, you're saying, well, he's a, he's a third down back. He's tiny. Well, I think he's just tiny because you look at pictures and he's standing next to Derrick Henry. Uh, he's, he <laughs> is short. He's, <laughs> he's five, he's five, nine. So he is on the short side, but he's, you know, and his college weight was two twelve. I think he's listed at two Oh five or, you know, two Oh seven, something like that right now. That's big enough to be the lead back in the yeah. NFL. It doesn't mean you're a bell cow, but you could be the lead the lead back. So I said all that to say this, I think he's capable of being um, the primary back with, uh, you know, 36 year old Adrian Peterson coming in, you know, for eight to 10 carries. It might be flipped where you have Peterson starting and playing on first and second downs. And then uh, McNichols uh, keeping his third down role. But, you know, in my research, the quotes I saw from the running back coach there, it does indicate that they are planning for a bigger role for McNichols. So he's the one that I would have prioritized on, on waivers. And I, I did notice that it was a little bit flipped where people were picking up both, but they were spending more certainly in Scott Fishbowl on, uh, McNi- on, uh, on Peterson, as opposed to spending the, on McNichols, it was a little bit more. So I think, I think the fantasy community thinks it's going to be Peterson. And I personally think it's going to be more, uh, for McNichols, and then there's a beat writer or two that think that Dante Foreman's actually got the lead uh, for being the, the primary back. But, you know, these guys you pick up off the street as a team, I think you have to go to the players that they had in the fold this whole time first and see if they're capable, and I'm, I'm interested to see what he does because he's McNichols is a very versatile pass catcher, and he does seem like he has enough in the running game um, to produce there as well. So he's the one I would prioritize. 
Yeah, uh, let's, uh, uh, that makes sense to me, and uh, I echo you, Scott Fishbowl, for me, uh, same thing. Adrian Peterson went for more than McNichols. I kind of like McNichols. I, I like guys that catch ball, that catch mm -hmm. uh, passes anyway. Uh, let's continue with more sad news, and then I promise we'll get away. Uh, Henry Ruggs, not going to get into his situation because I don't want to cry on air, and the entire situation is sad. Uh, but released by the Raiders, uh, impact of this release on Derek Carr, rest of the offense. Uh, what, do we, what should we expect from Brian Edwards? Uh, you know, Hunter Renfro and Derek Carr. Yeah, I think that this is a setback, certainly for Carr, but, you know, this is an opportunity for Edwards for sure. I think he's the one that probably gets the biggest bump in role and in, and in touches or targets, I should say. Renfro will continue to be a very important part of this offense. He's been a PPR uh, mainstay in terms of being like a wide receiver three or two uh, in PPR formats. He's caught, I think, at least five passes in every game but one this year. So he's he's been a outlet for for Carr, and then I think Waller, you know, he's got kind of off. He had the really fast start with the first game, and then has been kind of underperforming a little bit. I think he gets back on track here for the rest of the season, um, and maybe they pick up a wide receiver here on waivers today. What do you think? Uh, I think it's very possible, especially, you know, we got the news this morning that Odell Beckham has been released from the Browns, so all the free Beckham talk is uh, can subside and we can watch where he lands. Raiders seem like a logical uh, landing spot for him. Uh, where would you like to see Beckham go, and does this impact any of the Cleveland players for you? Yeah, it sounds like they reworked his contract to make the, the waiver more appealing for teams so that there may be a, a team or three or four that might put in a waiver for Beckham. I don't know the details on his contract or how appealing that would be. I think prior to this rework, they were thinking that he would clear waivers and then sign as a free agent with somebody. I don't think Cleveland necessarily wanted that because he might sign with a, a competitor that uh, is, uh, you know, sort of like a Super Bowl contender in the AFC. Um, and they would like probably prefer, I mean, I don't know if they, they really are scared of him landing, but he might be pretty motivated if he landed with the, the Steelers or the Bengals or somebody. Um, so, I think Las Vegas is a like a primary spot that where he could land and, and fit in pretty well. Uh, you know, Matt Harmon does the reception perception. He he his studies of Beckham in the last few years. He went from being this elite like top five route runner, and then took a few steps back in the in in the charting. And Matt thinks that was a lot to do with with injuries that he was dealing with. And then last year. It seemed like he had come back and was like another, you know, a top fifteen route runner again. Uh, so maybe the talent is there. It just never really seemed to fit or gel with Baker Mayfield in any sort of consistent way. Um, and I guess there was a eleven minute video of Beckham running wide open that his dad posted. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know Mayfield missing him on you know multiple multiple routes um, that might have led to this whole release. Um, but. Um, I think he still has some talent, so I'm interested to see where he lands. I think uh, you know Derek Carr and the, and the Raiders offer him the most opportunity at this point. I hope he doesn't land somewhere like the Chargers, right? Which which is nice for football, right? Add him to a, a good offense and all that, but somewhere where he's just going to burk up an, an already established situation. I hope he goes to the Raiders, the Saints, somewhere there where we need someone to step forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, speaking of the Saints, which would be a good spot for him, uh, We've lost Jameis Winston for the season. Ian Rappaport just tweeted this morning that Trevor Simeon is going to start this week. Uh, what do you think of Simeon as uh, an option? How does that affect the rest of the Saints' offense? And should we even eye Taysom Hill knowing that Simeon's starting this week? 
That's uh, interesting. I That news broke while we were getting ready to start here. And with Simeon starting, I'm going to have to update the rankings. I would have assumed that Taysom Hill coming off the concussion and being healthy, uh, he was in a uh, quarterback battle with Jameis Winston for most of the summer, and it was deemed to be really close. And the fact that he's not starting is a little bit surprising to me. Um, Simeon did fairly well last week uh, in relief of Jameis Winston. Um, so uh, obviously this is a blow to Taysom Hill. Uh, anybody that picked him up and was expecting to start him this week, I don't, you know, he might get some some run, but he's not going to start and be the primary quarterback. And he, you know, he from a fantasy standpoint, he, he performed at a QB one level in the four starts that he had last year since his rushing uh, points are so high and uh, so and he was he actually proved that he was a fairly capable passer as well he had the highest um, adjusted completion percentage per PFF last year which was surprises everybody when I tweet that out and remind everyone uh, and his deep ball percentage is actually decent too although he only threw I think he had he completed five of nine um, deep ball attempts as well. So uh, Simeon's going to probably fall in the low end QB two. He doesn't offer as much, obviously, in the running game. Um, uh, so I'm going to have to adjust those rankings. And uh, from a, from a pass catching standpoint, I don't know that it affects anybody there too much. That you're planning to start Marquez Callaway will be okay, and then uh, Alvin Kamara probably gets a little bit of a bump because he'll, you know, I don't know if he'll. It, well, maybe Taysom will come in and steal some some rushing touchdowns from him. But that was that was the issue last year. He wasn't seeing as many targets from Hill. Uh, when Hill was the starter. So uh, I'll have to adjust those rankings. So check them after the pod. <laughs> uh, you know, the Saints, they're dead last in pass attempts per game. So it'll be yeah. interesting if Trevor Simeon changes that going from Javis Winston or if they continue to uh, be on that trend. But listeners, I want to tell you about an easy and fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy in their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats. You could win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players, and you could take home some cold, hard cash. Head to 4for4.com slash underdog, claim your free 4 for 4 Pro subscription, and get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. So we had a game last night, John. We had uh, Jets, Colts. They came out. It was supposed to be the Mike White anointing. Uh, came out, looked pretty good, got hurt. Unfortunately, Josh Johnson got a bunch of garbage time. It was the Jonathan Taylor show again. Uh, run down your thoughts from last night's game. Anything stand out to you? Well, I tweeted out, uh, you know, if you're facing Jonathan Taylor, uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> 172 <laughs> yards rushing, uh, 28 yards receiving, so 200 total yards, two touchdowns, and I think he had a little injury scare there too, so people were probably pretty worried, and then now Taylor is um, uh, providing those huge numbers for the, you know, those people that have him in the starting lineup, so good for him. Michael Pittman, 5 for 61, and a touchdown on six targets, continuing his breakout season. Uh, Zach Pascal actually led the team in, in targets with seven, and then it was interesting to see Naheem Hines really kind of going by the the wayside for the last few weeks but Marlon Mack was a healthy scratch and Hines saw you know went back to his 10 touch roll and he did did well he had 108 total yards and a touchdown he had a 30 I think like a 34 yard rushing touchdown early in the game uh and then Carson Wentz continues to throw multiple touchdowns every game he's been a nice surprise at quarterback if you're streaming uh the last several weeks he's uh 
basically provided you know high end QB two, low end QB one numbers every week, and it's another week of that this year with uh, or this week with uh, two hundred seventy two and three plus thirteen yards uh, rushing for Wentz. Uh, Elijah Moore, the rookie that a lot of people really liked going into the season, who's kind of been a forgotten man in that Jets offense. Seven catches, 84 yards on eight targets for two touchdowns. Is it time to pick up Elijah Moore? Yeah, I was actually speaking with Jen, my co-manager in the Hall of Fantasy League, and you know there were some receivers out there like right around Elijah Moore, probably a little bit you know more interesting plays given what he had done prior to this week. And I told her, I go, I like Elijah Moore in theory. Like, I don't know if you have some players like that, Brandon, where you're like, you like somebody in theory, <laughs> but like what what their role has been has not been what you want. Because I think even last week he was running fewer routes than Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, obviously Jamison Crowder running more routes. And he was basically the fourth receiver. I'm interested to see the snap counts and everything from last night. They really decided and he was going to be their starter and, and get in there because he ended up with the 84 yards, two touchdowns on eight targets. Keelan Cole saw eight targets. Jalen uh, Jamison Crowder saw seven targets. Ryan Griffin saw seven targets. Uh, and then Denzel Mibbs saw five. He caught one pass for 20 yards. So it's a little bit, you know, and you know, all these quarterback changes for for the for the Jets and it's hard to sort of keep track of the tendencies for each of these players. But Josh Johnson ends up with 317 yards and three touchdowns, and you, you know, you're coming into the game, you're just like kind of feeling hopeless about the passing attack. He ends up with 300 yards and three scores. Uh, you know, the Jets have four touchdowns total passing, and that sort of took the wind out of Michael Carter's sails because he, you know, they fell behind. And normally, I think with Mike White in there, Carter ends up with five, six, seven catches like he did the last couple of weeks, but. Uh, Josh Johnson not really looking his way too much. Uh, two targets for Michael Carter. He did. He was productive. He ended up 49 yards receiving or rushing and uh, 37 yards receiving, and that included like a throwback play. So he ended up with a decent, you know, nine point fantasy day and half PPR. Uh, but the way he was sort of trending, you were hoping for that 15 uh, touch day. Well, he did. He got 14 touches, but you're hoping for like 15, 16, 17 touches with four or five catches. I think that's what you're hoping for from Carter and they didn't get it. And then Ty Johnson, you know, vultures a, a receiving touchdown on top of it. So it's just <laughs> salt in the wound. I hate Keelan Cole, John. I hate him. You, you hate him? I, yeah, he's a good player. I like it's it's fine, right? But all he does is is he ruins the fantasy production of other receivers and he's never good enough to start. Like you're never like I trust Keelan Cole to get targets today. Like he did this in Jacksonville, he does it with the Jets. He just makes it to where, well, I shouldn't have started Jamison Crowder or where's DJ Chark? I hate it. I hate Keelan Cole for this reason, John. <laughs> yeah, and I would I would say that he's he fits that bill because he he does well for a stretch. And then you're like, oh, maybe I should start him. And then you put him in, and he does, you know, he goes one for twenty or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Drives you crazy. Drives you crazy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, moving on from that game, let's go into your sneaky starts for this week. Uh, it's one of my favorite articles I read every week. Is your sneaky starts? Uh, let's start at quarterback. Uh, I see a couple names pop out to me. I see Tua and I see Daniel Jones. There, tell me what you like about those two. Yeah, and just ignore that the fact that the cover photo is Taysom Hill. Uh, just just pretend that didn't happen. Um, Tua, I think, is a nice start this week. I'm starting him in one league. Uh, he's got Houston, the 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Um, Houston's given up a, an average of 266 yards passing, 1.88 passing touchdowns to quarterbacks this season. Uh, they really haven't given up a whole lot of rushing yards to the uh 
the position, but they've given up the most, they're tied for the most rushing touchdowns allowed to quarterbacks with four. So maybe uh, Tua gets in the end zone this week as a runner. He did have a bad outing last week, but it was against Buffalo. So I usually give him a pass prior to that coming off the injury. He threw for three at 29 and two and two ninety one and four. Uh, and he had at least 22 rushing, uh, rushing yards in each of those games. I think he's going to come on. I think I just saw that Devonte Parker is uh, doubtful. So that's a little bit of a setback for him, but I think he's going to come out with something to prove that, uh, you know, with this whole Deshaun Watson trade talk that, uh, you know, maybe he's got his, his shoulders are feeling a little lighter and he's got a little more of a bounce in his steps. <laughs> he knows he's going to start for the Dolphins the rest of the season. Yeah, give me some Jalen Waddle against uh, Houston. I like that a lot. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't like that you have Miles Gaskin as the sneaky start, John. Miles Gaskin has done nothing but let me down this year. Uh, it's very sad. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and just shudder thinking about Miles Gaskin in my RB2 slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got him as a sneaky start this week. I'm sure similar to Tua with the matchup base, but what do you like about Gaskin? Yeah, I'm going with uh, I'm going on with Gaskin and with uh, Malcolm Brown still sidelined. His touches have been there the last couple of weeks. 34 touches in the last two games. Uh, four games ago, I think he had that big receiving day. I think 10 catches or something like that with two touchdowns receiving. Houston again has given up 155 total yards and 1.25 touchdowns to the position this season. So I think he's that's what you know. Part of being a sneaky star is you kind of have to be a little bit painful to actually play him, and I think this fits the bill. I'm glad you're. At, I'm glad you have this kind of pain with Miles Gaskin because it knows that I'm, I'm hitting the right range of running backs with uh, by recommending Gaskin. I think it's a matchup play. Plus, he's gotten the volume lately with with Brown sidelined. Yeah, I'm getting close to putting him in my Pepto Bismol All Stars, right? Or just <laughs> just just stomach pains going for another guy who's uh, long been part of my Pepto Bismol All Stars. You've got Boston Scott. Uh, the Eagles running game, it's kind of a mess. Um, you're picking Boston Scott this week. What do you like about him? Yeah, if you just look at the final stats from the game uh, last week with Philly, and you're, so everybody was expecting, I think everybody literally was expecting Kenneth Gainwell to lead the backfield in touches, and he uh, he came very close. I don't know if he actually led them, but they were uh, very close by the end. Scott, um, 12, 12, and 13 or something along those lines. But Gainwell didn't really get going until the fourth quarter he had one touch by the in the first three quarters scott had 12 howard had 12 scott started the game though and the game slowly got out of hand so i think they went more to howard and to gainwell in the second half um but scott got his the first seven backfield touches before giving way to howard to start the second quarter for a few touches um so i think i think jordan howard is also possible but you know, this is going to be a little bit of a different game. The Chargers are, you know, vulnerable against the run, but they're, you know, the Eagles are not going to blow them out like they did the the Lions. So I don't know if they're going to be able to run quite as much as they, you know, did against Detroit. But I, I think it looks to me like Scott is leading this backfield right now. So I, I would have him ranked as a low end RB two, and I think feel pretty good. I I picked him up on a lark in Scott Fishbowl, and I get to start him now. I've got my have had the, the worst running back luck in that league, and all of a sudden I end up with Boston Scott. I didn't start him last week, of course. I would have probably probably would have won if I had started him last week. But um, looking forward to, to starting him this week. I think he's a, a pretty good start against the Chargers. Excellent, excellent. I'll have him in a couple lineups. And again, that that Pepto Bismol have like all my appendages crossed as I go in there. <laughs> Uh, let's go to the receivers. Uh, Kadarius Tony, you've got listed there with Sterling Shepard out. Is he sneaky? Is Tony even sneaky? Because like well, I love Tony this week. I think Tony for me is sneaky. Uh, people are really really jumping on the bandwagon, but my thought process is always you know top down, and 
he was doing his damage with Shepard sidelined. And, you know, you saw last week with Shepard in the lineup, Tony didn't play as much or get as many touches as, or targets as uh, people thought he was going to. And I think it was it just, there's just a pecking order right now. And maybe it's not right, but it's just a rat. You know, you look at what people have done in the past, uh, even this season and how, what the pecking order is. And then if everybody's healthy or if this particular player is Sterling Shepard, who typically gets seven to 10 targets a game comes back then Tony's play, playing time just is going to decrease as a result. And that's unless, unless you have a genius offensive coordinator who can <laughs> change, change things. Are you besmirching J- Jason Garrett? Is that, <laughs> I am. How dare you? <laughs> well, the reason I was laughing is because I was thinking of that train picture where he's sticking his head out the train side of the train, the, the meme that we always get with him. Um, no, but I think, you know, yes, you should love Tony this week. I think he's going to see a you know, bigger target share than he has seen in a while. Thanks to the, the injury to Shepard. Um, Kenny Galladay might be back. I heard he saw that he was uh, practicing mm-hmm. yesterday. So it's just something to keep an eye on. If you get, if, if Tony is out there with, uh, Darius Slayton and, you know, Evan Ingram, and those are the three primary pass catchers. And I think Tony sees a lot of work. If, if Galladay's back, um, maybe that changes a little bit and he's not quite of an appealing play, but he is a really terrific talent. And we are seeing him and his route running really progress and, you know, just some gifts that I've seen of him losing defenders is, pre- is pretty impressive. So looking forward to see what he does this week. Excellent. Well, one of the receiver that popped out to me, and there's several great uh, receiving options on that Sneaky Starts article. Go and check out 444.com. Read that. Get ready for your week. Uh, Van Jefferson, um, all my dynasty rosters are very excited to see his name pop up, to see his last two stat lines. Uh, tell me what we like about Van Jefferson this week. Yeah, he's been playing basically the same snaps over the last couple of weeks as Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. So he's just in there on three receiver sets, which is basically primarily what they run. And he's on the field a lot. They traded away, or they cut, I should say, Deshaun Jackson, who is the one that's been minimized and sort of suffering from Van Jeffersonism or whatever. Um, but Jefferson has a couple of back-to-back uh, usable fantasy lines, four for 43 and a touchdown and seven targets against the Lions. Two weeks ago, three for 88 on six targets against the Texans last week. And if you're in this Rams offense and you're seeing six or seven targets and the kind of air yards that Ben Jefferson is seeing, then you're you're fantasy viable. I think he's a wide receiver three type uh, against the Titans who are 31st in adjusted fantasy points uh, allowed to receivers. So, And Jefferson I like as a pickup too. And I think in shallow leagues he's still out there in the waiver wire because he's one of these guys that as the third receiver for the Rams, he would benefit from an injury to – Two different people um so it, it kind of doubles your chance that he's in an even bigger role uh for the rest of the season if anything were to happen to cup or to or to woods it's sort of like that wide receiver four that you have that you know is talented like a tim patrick type and then you're just waiting for an injury to happen to one of those first three guys and all of a sudden he's starting and producing for you so uh, i sort of put him in that he's startable has some standalone weekly value but could be a wide receiver two uh, if there, if God forbid, there are any uh, injuries to to Cup or to Robert Woods. Excellent, excellent. Now let's talk about tight ends, the barren wasteland of fantasy uh, positions. Uh, you've got a couple uh, names that stand out that are available on my waivers. Uh, so I want to hear about Tyler Conklin with the Vikings, and then uh, Albert Okulibanam. Uh What do you think about these two going into this week? You are brave for trying to pronounce Albert O's last name. So congratulations. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Albert O. It's it's Okwa. I Bunam. Wow. Where's the I at? Oh, I guess it's the E there. Yeah. Between the, between the G and then the G is silent. Yeah. All right. Well, I can't keep all these straight. Uh, I like him more than Conklin. I, I think Alberto with Noah Fant likely out. 
Uh, he was placed on the COVID list. He, he can come back and play, but they have to have two negative tests 24 hours apart. And generally players that have been placed on the COVID list, you know, in a given week are not playing that following Sunday. They're just not getting cleared in time. Uh, so I'm assuming fans out right now. So Albert O starting tight end for the Broncos. He's really athletic. They've used him in the past. He's been productive in his targets. I'm really excited about him against Dallas. The Broncos are going to have to throw the ball uh, to keep up with the with the Cowboys in all likelihood. They're 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end, so I think he's the primary streaming option. Um, and fairly excited about it. The, the Cowboys have given up 5.3 catches, 62 yards, 0.57 touchdowns to the position this season. I'm starting him in a few leagues. And then Conklin against the Ravens. The Ravens are 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position, so it's partially a strength of schedule play or a matchup play. But Conklin has seen five-plus targets in four of his last five games. Uh, he had seven for 70 and a touchdown, three for 71, five for 57 uh, fantasy lines in that five-game span. Uh, he's run the 13th most routes uh, this season at his position. And the Ravens, of course, as I mentioned, 31st in just fantasy points allowed. They've given up big games to C.J. Uzuma with two touchdowns, 91 yards. Uh, gave up a touchdown, 25 yards to Jared Cook. Moelle Cox got 50 yards. Will Fant got 46 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey and uh, Darren Waller both went over 100 yards and a touchdown. So this has been a weak spot for the Ravens. And, you know, with, with uh, you know, Lamar Jackson probably going to be productive scoring points in the Vikings, I think they might have to throw the ball a little bit more than they want to. And I think Conklin can get involved in that in that route. Tyler Conklin's like my Justin Bieber. Like, I don't really know who he is. I know he's popular. And then I'm always stunned to look and find out that he's relevant. It's very interesting. I, I, you're, st- you're saying these statistics, and I'm literally shocked listening to it. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm excited because I never know what to do with the tight end position. You've uh, also got Pat Fryermuth on there, who uh, yep. I'm excited about because I'm definitely running with some Fryermuth in a few leagues where uh, I don't have an elite tight end. Uh, so uh, excited to do that. Uh, let's talk about your breakout receiver model a little bit. Last week, you identified DJ Moore T. Higgins from the Week 8 model. Uh, neither found the end zone, but Higgins did post 497. DJ Moore continues to be heavily targeted. Uh, who's popping this week? Well, Moore is in there is, again, and sometimes you see that when they don't they don't pop and get their 100 yards and a touchdown or 80 yards and a touchdown. They end up in the model for a few weeks straight. We've seen Robbie Anderson in the model, I think, all year. <laughs> he's he's oh, been getting the usage. Me. and Just, just killing yeah, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, with the caveat that he's just not been very productive lately. Um, but I'll just give you the first three names because I think they're all, all three are interesting. Marquise Brown, who has been productive, but the air yards and, and usage that he was seeing in the last three three games, he should be doing even better. So I'm very interested to see him against the slowish uh, Viking secondary. Uh, Kyle Pitts uh, at tight end for the I guess he's a tight end might be a receiver for for the Falcons he should should have a good game uh he's been seeing a ton of usage and uh he's been okay but he hasn't uh, had his real big breakout game uh aside from that uh, I think he had two touchdowns against uh in in London I don't remember who that was against uh and then Emmanuel Sanders had the goose egg last week uh but has been really productive for the Bills I think he bounces back with a nice game this week Excellent, excellent. Coming off a goose egg always makes you a little bit scared, but uh, absolutely, he's been productive all season. That's all I got. Uh, Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a nice review. Follow John on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can find me at 2GuysBrandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.